right, how's it going tonight, everybody? We are Run the Real, featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And we are back, and we're here to finish up the original six of the Star Wars trilogy with episode six, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. The original six? Hold on. It's the sixth of the originals. Yeah. You're counting the prequels as the original? They're the original six before they sold their soul to the devil. Oh, I see. I uh, I count the original six as the Lucas movies. Interesting. Okay. There was what was intended. <laughs> this is true. By the mind of George Lucas, I guess. Well, it's true. It It is true, though. It's what was intended. All the rest of this was not meant to be. <laughs> yep, just like how... Jabba was intended to be in episode four, and uh, the giant dinosaurs were intended to be walking around. Be silent. <laughs> we will not speak of this. <laughs> the, the movies, not all his edits. I'll take some George Lucas edits over the uh, the new movies. I wish George Lucas would come edit the new movies. Mm. I disagree, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll get into that later. You know, I gotta say... I thought there wasn't a way that those could possibly get any worse, but... I don't know. Lucas gets a lot of hate. You know, he's creative. He came up with all this good stuff. I feel bad for him, because anything he does is highly scrutinized by everybody on the planet sitting on their butts while he's doing something, so... What, you mean like Red Tails? (laughs) Well, that's not worth it, you know. I forgot that movie existed. Probably for the best. But, I mean, he gave us Star Wars. I mean... Who can you say that about for anything else, you know? True. We'll we'll get into that. Um, getting back more to where we were going originally with this. I'm sure we'll deviate coming up. But anyways, I'm going to just get through this real quick so we can start going down the rabbit hole again. Um, Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi was released in 1983. Currently, it has an 8.3 out of 10 on IMDb, putting it at number 80 in the top 250. It has a 58 Metascore, which kind of surprises me, honestly. Interesting. I don't know why, but I don't really feel the need to go read a bunch of Metacritic reviews. Um, On Rotten Tomatoes, it has an 81% tomato meter and a 94% audience score. So the only outlier here is the Metascore, but... Take it with a grain of salt, honestly, I think. I mean, it's just another aggregate, so. But uh, this is the final of the six original movies, and it is the finisher of the original three. So the original three that came out first, and then you get it. I, If you don't know, why am I even explaining this? We've already covered them all. Just go watch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> this was directed by Richard Marquand, I believe is how you say his name. It was written by George Lucas and Lawrence Kasdan. What did you guys think of Episode 6, Return of the Jedi? I know we've all seen this before, so I'm going to ask, what was your impressions revisiting this one? You know, what stood out to you? You know, this was kind of a new one for me a little bit in that I've seen this one the least out of all of them, and I've never seen the remastered. I've only seen theatrical cut prior to this. Oh, good on you. Good on you. So you were in for some surprises. (laughs) I was, yes. Uh, (laughs) Should we get into that first off? Maybe. There was some yelling of explicitives about the house. Uh, my girlfriend wasn't here, and so I was just letting loose with it. Yeah, the next day after Fox watched this, we were we were uh, kind of talking. He's like, something enraged me, Mike. <laughs> the unforgivable sin. Yeah, and I think you said, it's unforgivable what happened in this movie. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I agree completely. And I know what you're going to talk about. The edits that Lucas made in this. Well, obviously. (laughs) I'm just going to say this right off the bat. I couldn't remember what the musical number was before the edit. I don't know when the edit happened, but all I could remember was this, like, slobbering, bug-looking alien CGI guy getting up in the camera and going, (laughs) like a loogie coming out. Like, I didn't remember what it was until Dan showed me on YouTube what it used to be. So to to put this in context for everybody, we've been talking about the different versions of the original three. 
this one has probably the most controversial edits um, out of all three of them, besides the Han shot first thing in episode four. Just as an example, there's two really um, iconic musical pieces in episode six that Lucas replaced with new ones. The one we're talking about is in Jabba's Palace. The original song was called Lapti Neck, and it was actually pretty good and pretty catchy. But then Lucas came in and took one of the characters and completely CGI'd them in there and CGI'd another character in there and insert a new song called Jedi Rocks. And it's completely awful. <laughs> I think I saw that they also had the the Twilight Dancer reshoot her scene there. I don't know if she re reshot it or if they just used different footage from that i'm not sure i read something that she was like in the dance world was like critically acclaimed for being like able to recreate the dance scene with almost no visible changes after 10 years that's crazy man that is pretty impressive she's able to do that i mean does she want to be known for that i, I guess <laughs> would be the question her one credit <laughs> what i can't get about the jedi rocks thing is that one of those aliens, like the female alien, is a practical effect, right, in the original one. And they just do away with that and make the terrible CGI version for the, the little musical number they do. Yeah, they leave so much in there, like, practically, you know, like they don't replace Jabba with the CGI Jabba or anything. All the other aliens are puppets. Why not just keep it how yeah, it was? It looks so bad and out of place in the new one. Did they make it with, like, 3D in mind? <laughs> it seems like it. She does, like, zoom in on the camera. Because both her and the weird, like, dude alien, like, yeah, get right up in the camera. It's a very strange shift because, yeah, it's like as if they know they're being filmed. It's like a music video all of a sudden within Jabba's palace. Yeah, it's, it's terrible because the original one is just like this chill music playing, basically. It's not like up in your face or anything. You'd expect that in Java's Palace, not this crazy Jedi Rocks thing. No. Probably the worst thing I noticed in this movie that was changed. Oh, boy. Uh, do, do we want to just get into the other things? No. No. Mike seems to know one of them. So the worst thing in the re-edits of this film is right at the end when emperor palpatine is shocking luke right and he's gonna kill him and vader has his iconic moment where he's looking at luke and luke looking at the emperor and trying to decide what he's gonna do right in the original theatrical version it, he's completely silent for that thing and then he decides to pick him up and chuck him over the edge he's completely silent the whole time and it's all what's he gonna do what What's he going through behind that mask, right? And then when he finally picks up the Emperor, you're like, oh, hell yeah. And he chucks him off. It's so awesome. And it's one of my favorite parts in the entire saga, just because of how good of a character moment that is. And it's all, it all leads up to this. All the movies lead up to that moment for Darth Vader, right? And Lucas decides he's going to completely destroy that moment by adding in Darth Vader going, no, no, while he's doing that. And it destroys the moment completely. You're not wondering, all right, is he going to save Luke or not? You're just hearing him moan and complain like he does in the prequels all the time. So that is... I think the worst change they could have made to this film, besides, like, removing Luke completely. <laughs> That's pretty bad. And once again, I like the Wikipedia description, which was, critics describe this change as bad and unnecessary. <laughs> it's terrible. It just completely ruins that moment. I mean, I do think it's unnecessary. I don't know if it ruined it that bad for me, though. I don't know. It's a little silly, methinks. It's a little silly, sure, yeah. But if you've seen it without that in there, then it completely ruins it. Yeah, I, I can't remember ever seeing the original. I'm sure I have at some point, but 
I don't remember it. And it, it makes me mad, too, because those the original cuts are not readily available anymore. So everybody growing up now watching these movies is going to get the subpar version of episode six with the goofy Vader crap in it at the very end. And it's not going to be as impactful of a moment to everybody. It just it's like a downgrade that everybody is stuck with now because you can't get the original cuts anymore. I can see where you're at, but I think that's a little too harsh on it. Like, it is dumb. It's goofy. I've seen it the original way, but that still is a very impactful moment for Vader and Anakin's character. And putting the the no, no over it, while it's unnecessary and kind of dumb, it doesn't, you know, detract from the emotion behind the scene for me. It doesn't change anything from his arc. Like, it's still like the same. I don't know. I think it makes him unreliable in his arc. Really? Yeah, because it's supposed to harken back to him as Anakin being like, no, you know, all the time. But he's not Anakin anymore. He's Vader. He's more machine than man. He's cold, and it's hard for him to feel things at all, much less verbalize them. And now suddenly he's like, no. Well, if that's like hearkening back to Anakin, doesn't he turn back into Anakin at the end? So doesn't it kind of actually make more sense for him to do Uh, that? Only in this cut does he turn back into young Anakin. (laughs) Thank you. No, I know. I mean, I mean, but he turns back. He's not Darth Vader anymore. Then he goes back to the light side and becomes Luke's father rather than Darth Vader. Uh, And so like he's got his humanity back. See, I don't know. That's one of the things this one kind of changes, I feel like, because originally he was still old Vader as a force ghost. Like, old man Anakin, but now he's young Anakin, suggesting that it takes him back as a force ghost to when he was still part of the light, which I feel like changes his arc. Yeah, that that change goes hand in hand with this one, I think, and kind of giving Vader the shaft, <laughs> as, as it were. Because, like, before he was, like, irredeemable, but now it's like, his final act made him good, so in the afterlife he was like, you know brought back to being good i'd agree with that a little bit yeah because like he did murder younglings and like destroy the jedi order and kill millions of people but then again you could look at it the same way after seeing the prequels like wow so he's redeemed just because he kills the emperor at the end and becomes a caring father slightly i mean it doesn't really change it either way i could bring that question up even if he didn't say no and just came back as a force ghost at the end as a good guy i don't know i like old force ghost better (laughs) it's weird I don't know. It's kind of like, you know, Ridley Scott messing around with Blade Runner. How many cuts of Blade Runner are there? A lot. And there's just, you know, one that everybody kind of agrees is more that you should watch. I don't think this one scene ruins Vader's character for me, ruins this movie for me. This is a really good movie, and Vader's still going to be awesome. And one scene where he's added in there, it's unnecessary, yeah. I agree it's kind of dumb, but it doesn't ruin this for me at all. I agree. I don't think it's that bad. I think it's unnecessary, but compared to like the CGI music video, it doesn't feel that bad. It doesn't <laughs> feel like it was forced its way into the movie. It feels like it's an addition to it rather than like, well, we just changed tones of the movie and now we're shooting it differently because we have a musical number. It does change the tone some, though, because you go from Vader silently contemplating to vocalizing his stuff, and that alone changes the tone of it. See, I personally, I would take Jedi Rocks every time over adding in Vader saying no during that scene. My favorite Vader moment in this movie is when Luke and him are fighting, and he had just started talking some mad smack about how he's going to go find Leia after this, and Luke just starts laying the beat down on him. And that fight there, that is so cool with the music in the background. Luke's going to town, Vader's losing, and he's getting beat up. And the backdrop of the space, you know, battle going on in this chamber room on the Death Star. That is so good and so powerful. The ending scene with Vader is powerful too, but I think that scene is way more emotional and powerful for both Luke and Vader's character right there than even the Vader picking up the Emperor and chucking him down. It's such a great cap, right, to everything Vader's been through and everything Luke's been through. It all leads up to this final confrontation. And yeah, that lightsaber battle between them is such great character development 
between those two and it's really interesting at the same time too it's probably my favorite sequence in the entire film i mean luke literally snaps and uses the dark side basically to overpower vader because he uses his his hatred and his anger to beat him right i mean even the musical score is called a jedi's fury at that point and he gives into it and that allows him to beat vader and cut his hand off and then he realizes what he's done and he realizes that that he's becoming like vader when he sees that Vader's got the robotic hand too, and then Luke decides he's gonna overpower uh, the Emperor's temptation, and he finally becomes a Jedi when he throws down his lightsaber. It's so, it's just an awesome scene. It's one of the best scenes I think in the entire original trilogy. It's a cool parallel to Anakin's same moment with Dooku in Episode Three, but obviously, unlike Luke, he. Uh... <laughs> Just gives in. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'll murder him. That's one of the great things about these, isn't it? Like, what I love a lot about the original trilogy is how the lightsaber fights escalate so much between every movie. Yeah, this is definitely the pinnacle. It might be my favorite lightsaber fight in the whole series so far, even. Like, it's just so, like, passionate and... It's kind of more raw, but it's also makes sense with the the films, I think. More than Mustafar? Yeah, I think so. It is because this one you you feel all of the emotion from the characters in it, and that's what makes it so memorable. Yeah, Obi-Wan and Anakin, they're kind of it's very well choreographed, but I don't get nearly as much emotion out of their fighting. I guess that's fair. That's the problem with the prequels in comparison to the original 3, right? I mean, we were talking about the characters just aren't nearly as good in the prequels as they are in the original three movies. And that that showcases it perfectly comparing the Mustafar fight versus Luke and Vader on the second Death Star, because the emotion is perfectly captured in that fight with the score the characters actions just everything whereas in the most far fight you get a little bit of the emotion from the characters but not as much because it hasn't been built up nearly as well and you just are relying on john williams excellent musical score there to get the rest of the emotion i will agree to disagree with you too just because you are very valid in the point of the emotion (laughs) (laughs) although the choreography is just so wild to me in episode three i love that one so much i like the lightsaber fight in this one a lot because of what we said but I have to say, Vader's lightsaber throw is very shoddy. Oh, but it's so cool because it's the first time they bring it up. He almost hit Luke. I forgot he did that in this movie. I forgot he did it, too. I forgot it was in there. And I was kind of like, oh, <laughs> I was like, you know, that was a really bad scene. It was the standard for like 20 years of lightsaber throws. <laughs> Yeah, I'd forgotten about that too. You're right. It does look a little goofy, but I was so happy to see him do it. I was like, oh. I didn't hate it, but it it just stood out to me. I was like, man, that was really shoddy. (laughs) He did almost hit Luke, though, with it. I was like, dang, that got close. Well, the guy in the suit probably can't (laughs) see where he's chucking it. No. Definitely (laughs) not. And I'm surprised that he could fight so good with the lightsaber while in that suit, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. I'm going to change gears a little bit in this one the most fun i think i had watching this one was the ewoks i was cracking up i loved the ewoks in this movie i've forgotten all the shenanigans these ewoks did (laughs) and i forgot how much of a beat down they laid on like (laughs) imperial troopers you know (laughs) with stones and stuff like when the ewok steals the the speeder bike and you're just hanging on superman pose. i was dying and i turned and look over at terry and he just kind of like hmm it's amusing <laughs> terry's not an ewok lover huh yeah 
not as big into the Ewoks. I like them in small doses. I think that was the big reason why people didn't like this one as much was because of the Ewoks and all how much they're included in here. Which confuses me. They're great. I think it's kind of lame that they're killing the stormtroopers with the rocks. I feel like their armor should be strong enough to deflect that kind of stuff. I was thinking about that, Terry. It's It's blunt trauma, right? I mean... Back in medieval times, there's a technique that the knights, because, you know, they're all in full plate mail, right? You can't hit them with blades. That's not going to cut through. So what they do is called half sorting, where they grab the sword by the blade and beat each other with the hilt of their sword because it's got the blunt trauma and they can make dents in the armor, which are going to like poke into your head or damage your body. So that's what this is supposed to signify them throwing boulders and rocks and beating them with blunt objects. That's how you, that's how you get through armor when you don't have, or when you can't cut it with a sword or blast it with a blaster, right? You got to beat on them. Yeah. It's very unsatisfying for me though. It's made to deflect lasers, not rocks, not stones. I get where you're coming from because you got little teddy bears running around <laughs> beating people with little stick hammers. But the the idea is solid, but it's another execution thing where you're, I I get it. If they would explain that to me in the movie, like you know, been like, oh, this will be perfect when they're like planning their attack or something like that. I don't know, but to me, it just looked like they're just chucking rocks on people, little pebbles hitting them, bows and arrows. I don't think the arrows ever did anything, though. I was watching. No, I saw them sticking in the back of the stormtroopers. Yeah, they stuck a guy with them. Nice. Yeah, they stuck a dude. All right, maybe they break their own logic a few times. Yeah, and I mean, like, sticks destroying all... I mean, the AT-ATs, I guess it makes sense. I don't know, it just feels like they play such a huge role in this battle when it's like, couldn't it just all be rebels? They're too vital to it, I think. That's what they're going for, right, was to get around the Emperor, because the Emperor is never going to foresee that this <laughs> this group of little Ewoks are going to amass in force with the rebels and be the turning point, right? So it's kind of like how the Roman Empire gets overthrown by all the German tribes, right? The Romans were like the pinnacle of technology and the dominant force back then, and all these not nomads, but not nearly as well-developed tribes end up taking them down because they get too large and all that stuff, right? It's the same idea here. You've got this nomadic tribe using admittedly primitive weapons, but they get the job done against the the vastly superior force. So it's the, the exact same type of thing. I think it's just that they're Ewoks that people can't get over. <laughs> well, and like if they, maybe if they're portrayed as a little smarter than they are, I would buy it a bit better too. But they are portrayed as very dumb. Well, they've got Han Solo, one of the wiliest characters in the galaxy, helping them out. They're they're pretty vicious too. They're they're gonna eat them, and then at the end they rip off your head and use it as a drum. That's true. <laughs> they do do that. Now, yeah. So can we just talk about how somehow? Leia becomes their, like, prince's guest. But then they encounter Luke and Han, and they're like, hmm, looks like a feast. <laughs> the singing one is so, he's the best. I do like the singing Ewok. He's like the jolly chef. And then C-3PO's like, you better stop doing that, you'll make me mad. And he's like, hmm? <laughs> keeps putting logs on the fire <laughs> yeah i like that singing guy i get the criticism because yeah they were made to sell toys and i think part of it's too that i've grown up watching this one so they don't it's like a jar jar thing they don't bug me as much yeah they're better than the gungans yeah i will agree with that they're way more adorable that's true just think about the scene where Chewie, like, 
does the Tarzan swing in with two Ewoks hanging on? Him and his Ewok squad. <laughs> yeah. If it weren't for him and the Ewoks, you know, they would have failed destroying that shield generator. If it weren't for Chewbacca, I don't know if I'd go. And his two Ewok buddies. Them two Ewoks got in there and just beat the crap out of those guys <laughs> in the ATST. Man, I love that interaction they have with Chewbacca. You know, like they're just grunting. But you know that Chewbacca's like, what you doing? Get out of there. And they're like, no, <laughs> we're going to take it. <laughs> I just, I love the idea that Chewie has like an Ewok hit squad that's running around with him and just taking out people. Why don't they like revere him as their god? I mean, like he's basically a giant Ewok. I remember thinking back when I was a kid that they were like the same species, Chewbacca and the Ewoks. Ah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I thought there was like, you know, little ones and big ones, but they were all like <laughs> the same, but no, they're not. So did like the stormtroopers not know these Ewoks were on the planet at all? I'm assuming not. That's why I assume that they were uncontacted. Because, yeah, the, e, the the Empire doesn't know they're there. Or if they do, they don't care. Which, that could be a thing, too. That could be. Although, I feel like if the Empire knew, they would have enslaved them. Because I feel like the Ewoks would have fought back earlier if there had been some sort of clash between them, you know? I don't know. I don't understand Ewok culture, I guess, so I'm not sure what... With how they'd react. They don't have their golden god commanding them at this point. That's true, yeah. Ah, the golden god. Speaking of C-3PO, I, I felt like there was less dialogue with him and R2 in this one than the previous two. But on the flip side, I think this one has the best Chewbacca Han Solo dialogues. Think so? I don't know. I just felt like they had a lot of scenes that were very amusing in this one together, where it was just Han and Chewie being goofy. I just like how Han is like, what the hell is going on for this whole movie? He's always got that confused look on his face. <laughs> He's like Kurt Russell in Big Trouble in Little China. He is, yeah. What's going on here? I'll tell you in a bit. Just shoot for now. Why is Luke your brother? I don't understand. Oh, God, yeah. That's an awkward conversation. Yeah. <laughs> And then when he finds out, he's just like, what the heck? He's got that, that dumb <laughs> look on his face. You can, I mean, I can see why he's a little confused, you know? <laughs> I can too. I got to say, the whole sister thing feels a little like out of left field and doesn't really seem to matter at all in this trilogy. Like, does Leia really need to be Luke's sister? No. <laughs> like, what's the point of it? I guess to just make sure she gets with Han in the end and he has no reason to pursue her romantically is the only reason I can see. Like, if they would have left it out, it would have still worked because, you know, they've been hanging out the whole movie in Empire and they were hanging out in Return of the Jedi. It still would have worked. I guess maybe because she's, like, the catalyst for him getting mad at Vader. They could still be, like, because, you know, I'll get your friends or something like that, maybe. I don't know, but... It just seems like it's not important at all, so I don't know. I never thought of it that way before, Terry, but yeah. There's no like plot purpose. It feels like it's just like, oh, we got to make Leia important, I guess. But she's already important. She's like a general. I feel like they wanted to follow up the big twist in episode five with something. Yeah, that's where I'm at. And I mean, it's a great twist too, but yeah, it's not nearly as strong as the vader being luke's father twist is that's for sure it just goes back to how soap opera the original star wars ones are that if you look at like the beats it's very soap opera i do think this movie like i i kind of complained a little bit about the pacing in episode four but i i think this movie has a pretty big pacing issue too like Tatooine, when they're on there in Jabba's palace, it's awesome and it's going. Probably my favorite part of the movie. But like after that, there's like this really long lull until the battle on Endor, and then it like feels like it comes back. But in between Jabba's palace and Endor, I feel like I'm just kind of waiting till the big climax. I could see that. I mean, a lot happens in between there. Like Yoda passes, which is very sad, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's probably the biggest thing besides people just getting ready to attack the Death Star. Mess around with Ewoks. Yeah, I, I could see that. I could see that. Those are like the two my two favorite parts of the movie. The lightsaber fight, and then the beginning at Jabba's Palace. And then I can I barely remember what happens in between those. I love when Luke just shows up 
that Java's palace. He opens the door and then force chokes the Gamorrean guards and mind tricks um, Bib Fortuna to go talk to the Java. He just like kicking everyone's butt. And then when he gets his lightsaber, I didn't realize how many people he kills. He kills like 50 guys. <laughs> Man, he takes out like the whole like smuggler army. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, that's great. It's so cool because you haven't got to see what like a Jedi can do at their full power, right? And so this is the first time you get to see it. He's like deflecting blaster bolts and stuff. Doesn't even care. He's just so nonchalant about it. He's like, yeah, you're going to regret this. I told you, Jabba. It's awesome. And like, it's just as good as the canteen scene, I think, like with all the crazy aliens and stuff. I mean, the music video thing kind of puts a damper on it. But for the most part, it's awesome. Jabba looks great as just this giant puppet. Oh, and then he's got his little minion, my favorite character, who's just laughing. <laughs> That's your favorite out of everybody. What's his name? I can't ever remember his name. Salacious Crumb. Yeah, Crumb. That's the favorite. <laughs> He's awesome. He just curled up in Java's tail with a pillow and he just points and laughs. <laughs> and whenever something happens where he's like freaks out, he just laughs and runs away and <laughs> disappears. Yeah, he's like the laugh track of Java's palace. Like, <laughs> and then he takes down C3PO. He's like ripping his eyeball out. He does. <laughs> he's a beast. <laughs> Good old salacious crumb. You know, that reminds me of something else they changed was the Sarlacc pit. Ah, I knew it. I knew it was different. So in the original, it's just the hole with teeth and then the, the tentacles come out, right? And they edited in the CGI like pistachio nut mouth. It looks like the uh, the flower in Little Shop of Horrors. Feed me, Jabba. Feed me. Yeah, that's what he says. They don't need that beak. It's so much cooler when it's just the mouth in the ground. Because you're like, how big is this thing? Yeah. I also... Boba Fett goes down pretty easy in this movie, too. We don't speak of this. <laughs> it never happened. <laughs> it's like Three Stooges style. Like, it's like, where is he? <laughs> Just knocks him into the pit. Like, he looks like he's about to do something cool. He, like, wraps up Luke with the, the rope and then... <laughs> <laughs> and then Solo just hits him with a stick. Boba Fett. <laughs> now, you know, he does last a lot longer than any of the other minions. I feel like he deserves that. It's true. He gets out of the Sarlacc pit in the EU and becomes much more awesome. So... I'm glad because, yeah, he doesn't deserve that disrespect. <laughs> they did to him what they did to Grievous in episode three. They did him dirty. They, they did. did him dirty. <laughs> <laughs> just when you think he's cool, he just gets immediately dispatched. <laughs> <laughs> by a blind guy and his pet dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah. I guess, okay, the song at the end. I wasn't big on the change in song. And I didn't initially, like whenever I saw Naboo pop up there in those little slides, I was like, what the hell is this? But then sitting there thinking about how this is the eighth film we've seen in chronological order, and we've just flashed through like almost every world we've seen leading up to this point, I was like, you know, this isn't like a bad cap, to be honest. It is kind of taking me back through this journey. I like it. Yeah. that That's one of the changes. I mean, you can have it one of two ways, right? The original one, it's focused more on these characters because it's their story at this point. Whereas with the editing in all the different worlds toppling the Emperor's statue and celebrating, yeah, it, it harkens back to the rest of the, the movies. So it's kind of just like your personal preference, I think, at that point. I don't think it's worse with that added in, and I don't think it's missing something with that taken out either i think i just prefer it with these characters but you know it, it does feel like oh remember the prequels kind of thing like these guys are in it too that's what it feels like he's just reminding you of that and if you're a fan of the prequels it's probably like eh, whatever but for me it's like oh yeah these guys you know mad mike had a, a point we were talking the other day about this and you know i he brought up it seems like a lot of the citizens especially on like coruscant 
would not be that stoked about the emperor dying because they're like in the core worlds reaping the benefits of the empire. Like, they're not the ones being subjugated. If they were that concerned, they would have joined the rebels. Like, they're the ones who are making money off this empire. But that's all world building that we have now. To be fair, I wouldn't know which are the core worlds and what are the outer worlds except for Tatooine. I know that's an outer world. But... The ones that have cities are the core worlds. Like, big cities. Was anybody got anything else they want to hit on with this one? I had a controversial opinion, maybe. <gasps> oh, good. Ooh. So did... Anybody else feel a little dissatisfied at the very end of this movie? Like you wanted just a little bit more at the end besides um, them blowing up and then just having the celebration at the Ewok village. Yeah, I think I could have used like a moment where they are all like talking about like what they've been through or something. You know, that would have been kind of nice. I think I know where you're coming from, Dane. You wanted something like the end of the Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. <laughs> yeah. That's like a once-in-a-lifetime movie right there, where you're going to get a send-off in that way from a movie. This was 1983, and it wasn't that kind of movie, too. You know, It's such an epic like trilogy, though. They've been through so much. They've overthrown a galactic empire. The end of episode four is awesome. Yeah, they have the throne room scene with the celebration and everything. And this one, it's I, I don't get me wrong. I like it. Well, this was a celebration, too. Yeah. I, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I like it. And it's it's cool. And man, I would totally go there to party with the Ewoks and all of them if I could too, because that looks like it would be fun. But I just felt like it needed a little bit more. Like, I, I like seeing all the Force ghosts and Luke getting to meet with them again, and then the shot at the end of the whole cast together. I just felt like, yeah, it needed just a little bit more to, like what Terry said, to kind of reflect back on everything they've gone through up to that point oh man you want to know what the fox jackson approved ending would be uh, what's that so they all light up there in their little ending pose right and then a little ewok runs up with a camera no and they all jump in the air and he snaps a picture and it zooms out turns into a photo uh, freeze frame <laughs> yeah and then it starts playing shadows of the night by pat benatar wow I feel like we could sell Lucas on this. <laughs> you know, we might be able to. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't add that in there, to be honest. It's not too late, is it? It might be too late. It's never too late for Lucas. But, yeah, that that was all I had. I was curious what you guys thought, too, because, yeah, that that's just something I always thought. More of a nitpick than anything else, I guess. I don't disagree. I'm, like, pretty content, I guess, but I can see, like, that probably would help it a little bit. I wouldn't. I think that'd be fine, too, to put that in there. I think it could get weird depending on how they do it. Well, has anybody got anything else they want to say about this one before we hit that overall presentation? I don't have things about this one in particular, but I've got... I mean, we could do it after the overall presentation, I guess. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we've got a scale around here on the... Outer Rim Moon World of Endor. <laughs> it's, uh, we go from burn it, pass, watch it, or buy it in that order. I vote we replace burn it for this one with decapitation and using your head as a drum. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sure, we can put that in there. I will second that emotion. I don't, I'm not too worried about any of us using that one. So. <laughs> Yeah, we all give our own um, spiels, and then we average it out the end as to the best of our abilities. So Wait, are you saying we're bad at averaging it out? Sometimes, yes. I mean, there's four people, so <laughs> it doesn't always work as an average. <laughs> Sometimes we have to meet in the middle a little bit, yep. I suppose I'm going first, right? I could get the random picker Yeah, let's out do again. the random picker. Ah, there's no need for that. You want, want me to type in the names? Here we go. It's, it's been a while since we've used the random picker. I know what this will pick. Man, he types really fast. That's impressive. Oh, the random picker has randomly chosen Mike. <gasps> Ooh. Who would I guess? Hmm, I guess I'll go ahead. So, I love this movie. I always have since I was a kid. I feel like I've said this about every one of the original movies. But, um... 
it was fun revisiting this one. You know, the Ewoks cracked me up a ton this one. I had forgotten how much I liked them because I've just read stuff about the Ewok adventure movie in the past years and I had forgot how, you know, awesome the Ewoks are in this one. Which Ewok Adventure is a completely different movie. Oh yeah, I don't know if we're covering that one. It's live action, isn't it? But I don't think we're doing that. I was going to bring it up. I wouldn't say it's a bad movie, but I mean... I was going to say, we forgot there's two Ewok movies that we didn't have on our list. <laughs> oh god. What do you mean, oh god? Anyways, continue on. Well, we'll get to those later. Maybe those will be our review after... <laughs> After our Star Wars series, maybe we'll revisit some Ewoks here. But they cracked me up a ton in this movie. I forgot how much I liked the Ewoks. And then just the scene where Vader and Luke are fighting, you know, and Luke starts using the dark side and he realizes how powerful it is. And then he has to back off from it. That's just such a cool character moment for both Luke and Vader and their relationship. This is just a really good movie overall. It's one of the best movies I've seen as well. It's not my favorite of the Star Wars movies, but it is a really good one, and it's definitely up there. So I got to give this one a buy it. Oh, yeah. I agree with a lot of things Mad Mike said. You know, what I love about the trilogies is that, the original trilogy, pardon me, is that they improve on things out of like over the course of all three of them, whether that's technology and filming space battles or choreography with lightsabers. You know, I I won't say that this one improved over episode five plot wise. <laughs> it may not be quite that good, but what a fun movie. What a good time. I mean, this really cemented our visualization of the Star Wars universe. I would even say for time in memoriam. So I got to give it a buy it. I'm not a big fan of these read-like shoots, remasters, whatever. If you can get the VHS, buy a VHS player. Just do it. <clears throat> it's worth it. But if not, I would say it's still worth a buy. Yeah, I think this movie has some of the strongest moments in Star Wars for me. There's the Jabba Palace. I love the Jabba Palace. It's awesome. All the creatures in there. I think it tops the cantina scene. I said that was my favorite in episode four, but this might be my favorite moment in all of Star Wars that I've seen. And then there's the epic battle at the end with Darth Vader and Luke and how it all kind of comes together, just almost perfectly. I just think there's a lot of like fluff in the middle, though, that kind of drags it down for me. I feel like the beginning's awesome, the ending's awesome, but I really feel like I'm waiting for it in the middle here. The Ewoks are kind of amusing, but they, I think it's kind of unsatisfying to see them beating the Stormtroopers up. I think I'm going to give it a watch it, actually. I think it's like if you're watching episode four and episode five, then obviously you should probably watch episode six because it's the end of the trilogy. But I think it's the weakest of the original trilogy. It's good, but it's just not the best. I would say episode five is definitely the best. I'm agree with you there, Terry. I think this is the weakest of the three as a whole. But saying that, and I and I completely get the criticisms with the Ewoks and stuff. But having said that, I think this one has some of the best moments in the entire saga. Uh, just Luke showing up and kicking everybody's butt at the start of the movie. And then Luke and Vader and the Emperor, everything with them is just great. Like we've already mentioned, we didn't talk about the space battle but the space battle at the end is completely epic in every way it's it's so cool and like fox said it just builds upon everything we've got all the different spaceships that we've seen throughout the original three here for one fight essentially and it's completely awesome and there's a lot of just completely awesome moments in this but that's just it right it's the the individual moments, not the whole. And that's what keeps this one from being as good as five or even as good as four. But but having said that, it's still an awesome film. One of my favorites. Well, the original three Star Wars are some of my favorite films. So <laughs> and the, the score, musical score is great. The Jedi's Fury is my standout in this one from John Williams. It just perfectly encapsulates that moment. So I'm going to also give this one a buy it. And I'm going to recommend that you get the theatrical cut if you can. 
or one of the special editions before the Blu-ray, because the Blu-ray version of this movie is subpar and is not how this movie should be viewed or how it should be remembered. Ah, so I think that rounds out to a buy it, right? I think so. No decapitated heads banging on bongos here. Not this time. I had an idea, since this is the, or was the send-off for all of Star Wars until Disney got a hold of it. I was thinking, what what do you guys think of, like, the extended universe before Disney canceled it? Because there's a lot of stuff they did that um, continues the story after Return of the Jedi. I was curious if you guys had read a lot of the books or any of them that continued the story and what you thought of that. Or just that it got continued in general from a bunch of different writers and stuff. I've I've only read a couple. I read the first book in like the Thrawn trilogy, and that was pretty cool. Um, And then I read, I mean, Death Troopers, but that's not really an extension of anything, is it? It's kind of its own universe. Yeah, it's its own thing. And then I think I, when I was a kid, I read some, maybe not all of it, but I read something where it was like a bunch of like young Jedis, kids, and there was like brother and sister, maybe. I don't really remember. They had to build their lightsabers. They're basically going through training and stuff, but I don't remember what that was called. Oh, was it Luke and, not Luke, Han and Leia's kids? Jason and Ben. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I don't remember. I think there was a girl and a boy though, so I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I might be remembering that wrong. Jaina. Was it Jaina, her name? Oh, yeah. I think that sounds right. But yeah, I remember. I read some of that. Like they're riding on like pterodactyls at some point or something. But I can't remember that book at all. I I really like the Thrawn book I read, though. Oh, man. The Thrawn stuff is incredible. I would, if you're big Star Wars fans or even just like like the movies and not super fans, I would recommend you go read the Thrawn trilogy from or by Timothy Zahn. Uh, it continues the story of all the characters after this one, and it takes it to the next logical step in the story, um, where the Empire's not completely defeated. It's just like the remnants, and there's this Grand Admiral who bands them together to give one last fight and try and wrest control of the galaxy back, and it's about Luke and all them trying to stop him and a bunch of other stuff. It's, for me, and we'll get more into this later, those three books are episodes 7, 8, and 9. Just because Timothy Zahn nails each character 100% in those books. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you might know, you'll probably know better than I do, but those happen like right after... Return of the Jedi, pretty much, right? So is it possible that those could have still happened? Uh, I wouldn't say in the film universe they have now. I'd say no after The Last Jedi. And after the third book, yeah, I'd say no. But, man, I wish they would have done those. I think, because I remember hearing that Thrawn was being brought into one of the TV shows, but I don't remember. Yeah, he's he's in Rebels. They put him in Rebels, and from what I heard, they actually did him justice from the book, which is good, because he's a he's awesome character. If you're interested, the EU has a ton of stuff. Well, I guess it's Legends now, but there's a ton of books. Not all of them are the best. There's some weird stuff in there, but there's a lot of really good things in there too that are worth you checking out if you're interested i just wanted to do that because it's it this is the i don't think it's you can't argue that this isn't the fitting end to star wars with this movie right i know they've got seven eight and nine but those they just don't fit in after this one so i i kind of wanted to just i don't know so have that little fun little bit (laughs) yeah there's plenty of books out there if you want to know more about star wars or like what it was like who knows what disney's kept or what they haven't i don't because i don't keep track of it that much but they're pretty good like just from like the casual fan stuff so if you're a video game buff some of the games not all (laughs) i'm looking at you dark forces some of the games are also pretty solid like jedi academy that take place after this as well oh yeah and I, i said i'd tell you what lucas had intended for seven, eight, and nine. His original plan, it, you're not going to like it. 
was he was going to go more into the like microverse. What? Basically, like the microorganisms, like metachlorians, and like how those actually create the force and things what? like that. Yeah, it's bonkers. When we were recording this, was when all the news broke about how Bob Iger like mistreated Lucas and stuff with the buying of the Star Wars things. Now he disrespected his ideas and stuff but i'm just gonna say it's probably a good thing we didn't get lucas's seven eight nine yeah what a weird direction to go in see this is what i mean with lucas i mean the man had some really great ideas but if you give him too much control he just granted (laughs) don't know the entire thing that he had planned it might have been like really cool actually but um from from how midichlorians were implemented in episode one, I have my doubts. My gut instinct tells me <laughs> this is probably for the best. Just just leave it at six unless your Timothy's on with them books, and then you can have seven, eight, and nine. Because he's the only one who's been able to pull it off like one hundred percent perfectly, I think. Alright. Well there you have it. The original six ending right here but we also did like two in the middle we've, we've come a long ways i gotta say has been a long journey we still got the the saltiest stuff to come i know it's coming yeah we've been building up to this for a while oh my god i'm a little nervous about this yeah you got some teasers before now too so <laughs> some of my opinions <laughs> might surprise you for episode seven hmm. okay I'm, I'm looking forward to it i want to hear i'm still gonna criticize the hell out of it though but you might be surprised with some of my thoughts on that one too <laughs> i look forward to hearing it and if you the listeners have any thoughts you want to send our way you can send it to us on facebook or on twitter at run the real or you can email them to us at run the real podcast at gmail.com hit us up we want to know what you think about star wars the original trilogy the prequels even the new ones have you read the extended universe stuff any stuff you'd recommend we want to know it all. Yeah. Should we watch the two Ewok adventure movies and review them? Oh, God. Let us know. Yes. <laughs> Please say no to this. We did say live action, but I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking maybe not. The first one is not bad, right? I watched it a couple of years ago on YouTube. Granted, too, I watched that a lot when I was a kid, so it's very nostalgic, but I didn't think it was that bad. Well, let's throw it out to the fans like we did with the Christmas special. They can tell us if they want to hear us do it or not. (laughs) Please, I'd rather watch those over the holiday special. I think we're doing that one, so we'll see. (laughs) Mike is committed. Be right around the holidays. You know, that would be a good Christmas episode. We'll see. We'll see. We do need some more in-between episode eight before nine comes out yeah i don't think we timed this out just quite right but we'll see how it goes (laughs) all right thanks for listening to us tonight everybody we are run the real signing off (laughs) 